Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Conviction, where we feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. My name's Caleb. And my name is Parker. And today, we are going to be kicking off our conversation by asking the question, why should we attend service? As always, that's going to be our starting place. We're just going to talk around it, see what happens, see where the conversation goes. We hope it's beneficial. But Parker, can you kick us off for a little bit? Why should we attend service? Why is this a topic for conversation? Whatever you want to speak on. I think for me, it's just um, the reason why the question kind of came up for me is that I think there's a bunch of people. This kind of stems out of another question I have, which we've addressed in another podcast, whether that's out or not. I don't know yet. But um it stems out of the um, the kind of thinking about volunteers and the different types of volunteers there are and how some volunteers are very, very dedicated and they serve a lot. And there are some people or even just some people that who are employed by a church and they're technically at work on a Sunday morning who don't end up being in service very often and. Um, it just kind of raised the question for me of, is it necessary that we as Christians be in a service? It's not necessary, at least I don't believe, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe in the modern context of what a modern church service is. I don't believe that that's necessarily a sacrament of our, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I mean, there'd be people that would argue it is. Yeah. Obviously, like community and us getting together to hear a message and to be together and worship God in song is as a community is a pretty core part of our faith and being part of that community is a thing, but can you be a part of that community in serving or whatever's going on and not go to service or even just like, like I'm sure whatever churches you guys go to, I'm sure you guys have some people that, tend to not be in service during service. Like during at our church, like there's usually several people that are hanging out outside in the cafe area and stuff. Coffee Um, loungers. Yeah. Um, And so it's kind of just like, it just for me raised the question of like, is going to service something we should value? Is it something that is kind of just like a, you know, something that we can do if we feel like it? Is it something we should do despite us feeling like it or not? Yeah. That's kind of where that question came from. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good question. A good thought to have to consider and ponder. Um, you know, I think one of the things whenever somebody's approaching this question, one question they have to ask themselves is why would you not go to service? So it's kind of like to answer, why would you go to service? You have to then think to yourself, why am I asking this question? Why is this an aspect of it? But also then I think it brings up an important conversation that I can very quickly maybe um, run us through and we can talk back and forth a bit to make sure it's clear is the idea of God being omnipresent and the idea of God's manifest presence. So, What we mean by this is uh, God being omnipresent is this idea. It's a characteristic of God. It's that God is present everywhere, that he is present in all things and that sort of a deal. Um, You know, there is nowhere that you can go, nowhere that you can hide, that God is not 
able to be present there with you. Actually, the better word would be that he is not present there with you. Like he is always there. He is always present. Um, he is always in some way with us, around us, in the creation that he has made, that sort of a thing. Not to mean that creation is God. It's that God is present within the creation. So this whole thing, um, I kind of explained that weird, but God's everywhere. Simple. Then there's this idea of God's manifest presence. So this idea would be that there are times and places though, and we see this demonstrated in scripture in various ways, that God could choose to be in a greater way present in that moment, present in that place. Um, you know, it says in scripture um, that where two or more are gathered, you know, the Lord is there. Like, and there's a moment where you're like, well, but he's there with the individual, Yes, but there's something about gathering that is bringing about something, that's having something take place. So what I would say is is the modern service context is the easiest to identify space for us to gather in the manifest presence of God if we so choose to create our services in a way that desire that. So what I mean by that is, is I think there are some churches where they gather and they're just like, we're going through the rhythms, we're going through the motions, we're doing what we can do, which again is not to necessarily say that that a church has to be like charismatic or that sort of thing to see the presence of God present, but is to say there's some churches where they just go through the motions. That's just a reality. There's some churches that are like, we've been here for a hundred years, we're doing what we're doing, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, but there's also times where we look and we say, Holy Spirit, like we want to see you move, we want to see you work, um, and God, we just want to have you be here with us in an intentional way. Um, you know, you could think of a burning bush moment. You could think of, I mean, even there's actually some really great conversation you could have about the incarnation of Christ and how like that was a moment of God choosing to be like geographically located within humanity. Um, the Holy Spirit descending in Acts chapter two, all these different moments, we can see times of God's manifest presence. So we believe that the Holy Spirit still can work in that way, wants to be present with us. So First off, I would say that is a big reason why services matter because we do not just want the on, um, omnipresent presence of God. That is a great thing. We always are walking with God. We can always be near to God. But there is something about getting into a community that brings us closer to God in a way that we can experience. So almost maybe um, if you're somebody who runs in charismatic, Pentecostal, you know, Holy Spirit driven type things, you might say, I can feel God in these moments, that kind of a deal. Yeah, totally. And I think that like, um, I don't know. Do you think it, do you think services, I'm not necessarily trying to draw lines necessarily. I'm not trying to cause like definitions of like, draw lines. this is how often you need to be in service. Like you need, you need to have an attendance sheet, you know, which I mean, most churches do keep track of attendance, but that's another point. Churches but, used to pass attendance books. I guess there's a lot of churches. There's still probably churches that do where you would pass a book down your aisle and you just fill out your name for if you were there so they could know if you were in attendance. Well, that's like, yeah, I guess we have a connection card. That's our version of it. I've been going to the church that we've been going to since I was in like third grade. So the connection card is all I know. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, like I wonder, so like trying to figure out what question I'm trying to ask here. I'll, let me just start here. I, I like, as I've talked about in previous podcasts, I um, am somebody who's involved in our worship team. Um, and so because of that, um, well, not because of that, I do the schedule that I've put myself on. I'm on that task 
pretty often. Like every, I only, I, I have a week off every four or five weeks or so. Um, and in that, um, I do try my best to attend service. There is just realistically something different, especially from the perspective of worship and being in worship. There is just something different about being in the audience versus playing. And I hope that one day, and I pray that one day that for me, that's not the case, that they are the same thing for me. Um, but like, there is just a reality that like, like this last Sunday I had a week, a week off worship and it was just awesome for me, honestly. Like I hadn't had a week that I was in service in a while and like, um, it was just really cool for me that I had a chance to receive and rest. Um, but honestly, I don't know if I would have felt that way if I was doing it every week. Totally. So I think for me, it's like me, this is me mostly questioning myself in my particular situation, but, um, should I necessarily try to go in every week or I don't even know what I'm asking really, but yeah, I mean, like, there's a reality in our culture at large, and this might not be what you're exactly saying for you, but I think is a common experience for a lot of people, is that we get desensitized to things, so then we end up saying, like, ah, I want to stay special, like, and that sort of a thing. Um, and again, that's, like, trivializing it quite a bit, but... This idea that, you know, hey, like if I go once a month versus like I go every single week, like that sort of a thing, um, it stands out more. I have more impactful moments, things like that. Uh, One of the things I will say that I think has happened in the church quite a bit is we end up looking and noticing and seeing that people don't have an issue with coming to church too much. The average church attendance in America right now is 1.3 Sundays a month for like a faithful church attendee. That averages out to a little over 12 times a year. That's once a month. That's not that good. <laughs> like that is, yeah. you know, that's 12. These are people who would call themselves regular attenders. Yes. Saying, right? yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. People that would say that they would say a church is their home, is where they're at, is where they want to be, that sort of a thing. Yeah. Averages out to one time a month. That is, if I was to be very blunt, um, abysmal. Like, yeah. I do not have many things that I participate in 12 days a year that I would say define who I am. Mm -hmm. And there's a reality that our faith should. And through that, um, our church community should in some ways. Now we're a very independent culture. We're a very individualistic culture. And so oftentimes there might be people that look and say, whoa, 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 I like my church, but like, it doesn't define me. Yeah. And it's like, well, like this is a corporate body of believers that you were hopefully feeling called to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And that should have an impact on you because you're doing life with people, you're gathering with people, that sort of a thing. Um, Now, in terms of services in particular, not just saying gathering in church, because obviously you would say, well, I'm in the church, I'm at the church, that sort of a thing. Uh, Maybe somebody listening to this right now, they're like, hey, I'm at church, I'm in a small group, I have these things. Why should I care about services. Well, first, really quick, Hebrews uh, 10, 24 to 25, which is still also mainly speaking of gatherings that somebody could say is just the church gathering in general. But it says this, this is uh, the author of Hebrews to a Jewish believing audience. So believe in Jesus, but they are Jewish descent, 
whatever you may want to think. It says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day being when Jesus returns. Um, so in this passage, the author of Hebrews, who is writing to a very religious community, like we're talking about Jewish people who would have grown up with a very staunch, you know, strict upbringing of their faith, that sort of thing, they're choosing to follow Jesus. They have an understanding of religion and religious tradition is looking and saying, how do we help each other love people and do good deeds? Be nice members of our community, right? He says, first thing, not giving up meeting together is now put as an equivalent to how do we help each other be loving? Well, it's not by stopping getting together, you know? And like with that then, I would equate that to church. Like that is us getting together in our church gatherings. Now, a part of that then is having like experiences, you know? So like in Acts chapter two, 42 to 47, it describes the early church. You know, they would gather together daily and listen to the apostles teachings. You know, for us, um, we're not trying, I'm not like, I'm a pastor. I wouldn't say that I'm trying to be Peter or Paul or anything like that. Um, but when we gather together, I believe that the Lord has times that he gives me a word to share, to preach that sort of a thing. And through discerning of scripture, interpretation of scripture and, um, prayer over our community, believe that I have words to say that hopefully will help point us closer to Jesus, that sort of a thing. And so the gathering together, why does it matter? One, it's going to be helping us to be refined as a community. It's helping bring us closer as a community. And also it's bringing us into the presence of God, which maybe that's something we could um, really hone in on in this conversation. Because most people would look and say, yeah, I know I should, I should hear the sermon so I can know how I could love people better, how I could follow Jesus better. I know I should worship, but the real, real reason why let's say somebody's showing up, but they're not going into services, things like that. Do you value being in the presence of God? And where is the presence of God present within the presence of a service? There's a lot of presence. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that like, Going into, I guess there's kind of like two, well, I, I think two, I may think of more as I talk, but two specific intentional reasons why you should attend a service or maybe goals going into a service. Maybe that's a good way to think about it would be one, to make room and set aside time to spend time with God in worship and in prayer and in meditation, I would even say, um, and spending time with the presence of God in community with each other. Um, there's that goal. And then I would say also the goal of, I'm still working on the wording of this, but to receive maybe not conviction, but to maybe just to learn something. Yeah. about your faith and to to seek encouragement and um how how would you say that what's the word shoot um just embolden your faith through the message whatever the, whatever form that takes whether that's taking an encouragement from the from the servant from the sermon or whether that means 
you know, something that you feel felt convicted about, or even if it's something basic that like you just learned something you didn't know about the Bible before. Something that edifies, that's the word I'm looking for, edifies your faith. Um, so I think going, I, I wonder how much of us feeling, like there's been times in my life where like I've, I go to service regularly and I kind of get like, lack, for lack of a better word, get bored. And I think it just becomes like this, like I think attending church can be like this too, or really anything in life. But here we're talking about attending church and service is that it can become a clock in, clock out type of a thing that it's just something you do. You know what I mean? And I think that, uh, I wonder if that's just because we don't take the time to remember why we're coming Mm -hmm. and remember the intentionality behind it. I almost wonder if that's why when you don't attend service for a long time, like for me, uh, when like I had a chance to be in the audience this last Sunday, it was really cool, but that might be just because I had a higher level of intentionality mm-hmm. going into it. You know what I mean? Like, and so I wonder like if it's just, you know, the heart mindset going into, um, a service that would fix that problem of being bored. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think that's definitely, definitely a piece within it. I think a lot of times within churches, people, again, I'm not saying this is what you're seeking, but I do think this is a pretty American thing. Like we want to be entertained in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we want to have that. We want to receive. Yeah. We, well, okay. Or we want to get something out of it. Yeah. But like almost with like the most self intrigued, selfish intent at times. Like, like, that is one of honestly sometimes the tragedies within church today is it's all about what can I get? Yeah. But like, I, I, this is a thing I've been thinking a lot about. I think this implies this conversation. So in Acts chapter one, Jesus goes and he looks to the disciples, you know, the great commission, obviously in Matthew 28, uh, we oftentimes say is Jesus's last words, but Jesus' last words actually aren't go, they're wait. And he says, go to the upper room, not to the upper room. He says, go and wait in Jerusalem. They just find an upper room. But he tells them to go and wait to receive the Holy Spirit and then go out empowered by the Spirit to be able to do what they need to do. So the disciples listen, finally do. They finally get something right. And they go and wait. And this waiting goes on number of days, a lot of time. And at the end of this waiting time, it's signified it's over because they receive from the Holy Spirit and then they step out and the world is, is never the same. That's sort of a deal. We don't like waiting. We don't. We don't like waiting. We don't like mundane, m- mundanity. Mundaneness? Weird. Yeah, mundaneness. That's a real <laughs> word. There we go. We don't like things being mundane. And so... In some ways, there's a part of me that would love or be intrigued to look to somebody. And this is myself sometimes. I like I struggle sometimes to listen to sermons right now because I preach in youth every single week. And then on Sunday mornings, um, I usually am teaching 
before service. And then during service, I help take photos sometimes for our church. And so I'll be like getting some photos really quick. And then I sit down to do the met to, for the message and I'm getting some stuff prepped while I'm doing that. And I'm trying to listen. And like, I have to sometimes just sit back this last Sunday. I actually sat back. It was Pentecost Sunday. I sat back and I'm like, I'm going to just enjoy this message. I'm just going to receive right now. But there's been times for extended periods of time where I'm like, I'm getting nothing. Like I am not receiving. I'm a pastor. I'm not getting anything. What's going on? I'm supposed to have like the best heart in this room. That's not true, but that's how people think sometimes. And so I sit there and after I've waited and waited and waited, it might not have been days and days in a row, but weeks and weeks spread out over time. I finally have that breakthrough moment where I'm like, oh, I just received. Like I just had something take place. I just, you know, the Lord just spoke to me. The Lord just did something through me. Um, you know, I saw this, this take place and that's a weird way to describe it potentially, but like this moment of breakthrough happens and it was cause I was willing just to say, I just want to get back in the presence of God. I want to get back in the presence of God. It wasn't, I want to go get something. Now it's knowing that I will get something eventually because God is good and God wants to give good gifts and he's a good father who knows what we need and the Holy Spirit wants to be able to provide and work and manifest through us and those sort of things. But it can't just be, man, I knocked on the door once. I didn't get anything, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Like, I feel like this even goes, I feel like this kind of goes into even some some of the vernacular we use when talking about journaling and devotions, like in terms of that, like, like we always talk about like, Oh, what did you get out of it? You know, and, and not, not the trash on soap at all, but like soaps a great, if you don't know what soap is, it's an acronym. Uh, it's just a, like a journaling technique basically to get you started, which is it's S which is scripture where you write what scripture you read. Um, O, which is observation, just observing the verse, and then A, application, and P, prayer. Um, anyway, but, like, I can remember, like, growing up and stuff, being in the youth and stuff, and we'd, uh, you know, the question, you, you'd be constantly seeking to get something out of it, which I'm not saying is necessarily, like, an unhealthy perspective per se, but there's just something askew in it that it's like, I'm constantly seeking to get something for me. And even like, um, I don't know. I've often, I've often thought about this in the way that how we talk about like how we pray that God may we just grow closer to you. Like in a relationship, you never just walk up to somebody and say, I want to get closer to you. You just get closer by just spending time with them. You don't like, pray consistently. Can we get closer to you? You know what I mean? Like it, you get what I'm saying? I get I what know. you're saying. I, I, I agree. So you have, you have me in the first half. Um, yeah, I, again, I, I am a very think as I talk. No, 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 which person. is, which is good. So let me just speak to, so like with devotions and stuff. Um, and again, this all ties into services and our intention, our motives within it. And so when it comes to devotions, I mean, there's a reason why in true life we don't really do soap. Yeah. I don't, I do not think that every single aspect of scripture, you can pull out an application no. that will directly apply to your life. We just looked at the story. Now, if you truly study it, can you find sure. a truth that you are able to apply? Yes. But at the surface level reading, there's stuff that's just going to be confusing. 
Right. Like uh, this, we're going through judges youth ministry right now on Sunday mornings. And this last Sunday we were talking about Jephthah, this like misguided judge who like applied some most likely like cultic practices from the surrounding religions to his view of how he needed to relate with God and ends up making a promise to the Lord that turns into him sacrificing his daughter. And God's probably in heaven looking down with his arms up like, what the heck, man? That wasn't what I asked you to do. But you made a promise and thought you had to go through with it because you thought I was like other gods. Now, if somebody was to read that and say, oh, I just want to have a surface level observation of this thing, they'd probably look and say, okay, okay, if I want to be a man that honors God, I need to, no matter what, follow through with my promises. Right. And I need to be a man of my word. So even if I say something that seems crazy, I must honor the Lord. Yeah. Like, like that is such an unhealthy and missing the point observation and application. Now, some people, now here's the big reality, like a youth pastor right now who might listen to this and say, we use soap all the time. Yeah. And you only go through Matthew through John. Like not in a rude way, but it's just like, there's a depth to scripture. That's so important that for us to understand. And again, this is our, this is our podcast. It's called conviction. We're going to speak on stuff with a little bit of oomph behind it. Right. So like when it comes to devotions, I even have a whole thing. I personally, um, there's a lot of classical devotionals I think are really good. Um, the U version Bible app, I think is a blessing for like 99% of the time. I really think the reading plan section where like anybody with a small amount of potential credibility can deliver a devotion for you to go through for eight to nine days. I really don't like that way of Bible reading. Yeah. And it resonates with some people, that sort of a thing. I, I personally approach scripture from like, I'm not saying this to be dismissive to people that use devotionals, but like just read the Bible and just read big chunks of it. Like, we're talking about books that were written for you to consume. You know, you might be able to sit down with a book or sit down to binge watch a TV show or that sort of a thing. Like you could sit down for an hour and read through a couple of the epistles and be like, Oh, what was Paul really saying to Timothy right now? What was he saying to Ephesus? And you don't need to read it chapter by chapter as if it's breaking up into those things. That was just to help for reference, read the whole letter and say, wow, they had some problems and he addressed them Yeah, and he helped him figure them out. But like, you might not directly relate to every aspect of Ephesians because you might not be living in a fully pagan society with weird right. occult religions around you. Now, granted, you still can resonate and God can speak to you through the whole breadth of scripture because it is inspired by the Lord. It's still God breathed this whole thing. But again, it doesn't mean that you have to look at every aspect and say, how does this relate to my life, especially at 12, 13, 14, 15, 25, whatever. Yeah. Now, I will say when it comes to um, prayers that we say, I do think that there is a distinction between the person who is praying out of a lawning and a person who is praying out of a misunderstanding. So, what do you mean? so what I mean I by get that, what you mean firstly, I get, I don't know what you say mean by the second. So what I mean by it is, um, somebody who misunderstands their relationship with God mm-hmm. might start to pray, God, I just want to be close to you. Like, yeah. like, yeah. like they're the desperate, That's who I'm thinking of, yeah, they're the desperate boyfriend 
who's like, I, I just really want to be with you later today. Yeah. Can you please come over? Like, I, I, we, like, come over. We can hang out. Like, I just miss you. Why do you have to hang out with your other friends? Please, please, please come pay attention to me for a little bit. Like, and it's almost as if, like, they're pleading for God's attention because they just don't understand the fact that he's pursuing after them more than he would ever pursue them. Where, like, if you're praying with a genuine intention, it, and again, not to have it sound weird, but it would be like, you know, maybe like a husband and a wife. And it's more so said in a way that's like, you know, like an intimate way of like, yeah. Hey, like, I God, I just want to be close with you. Yeah, I I just want to be able to sit down with you and like put my arm around you and just let you know, hey, I love you, and give you a kiss on the forehead and say, hey, I'm really happy to be with you. And that's a weird. It might seem weird to depict it that way when no, it comes to us think and that's God. Totally accurate. But like that is like yeah, like that's looking to God and saying, God, I just want to be close to you. More is a longing of saying like I want that nearness. I know right. I can receive it right now. Yeah, I guess. When I was saying that, I was thinking more of like, and most people that I would hear say that, like, this is a good cliche example, are people who are riding off of like a summer camp high. Yeah. And then they had all these swells of emotion and and not to discredit what they, what happened at summer camp, like great things happened there. And like God has moved in my life there and all that. But it becomes this prayer of like, Oh, I want to feel that feeling again. Oh, I want to like, it it becomes this. And that's kind of where my thought process or like thought trail or whatever you want to call it was kind of coming from, because it is a very, like, it is a very self-centered type of that, that perspective is kind of a self-centered view. I get what you're saying though. That does totally make sense of like, that is a good example of the more, intimate long-term concrete closer totally that's not what i was talking about in that particular stance no totally and i think that's though where we can tie this back also to services you know why should we attend services sorry for the bird walk guys no no it's a good one i mean (laughs) it leads us to this spot because again we usually think individually now it's important to think collectively like why are those services important well in the same way that somebody might you know might sit down and say, hey, you know, I want to read my Bible more. I want to pray more. I want to, um, you know, have time of silence and solitude, whatever it might be, whatever your practices might be. I hope they're Bible reading and prayer at the minimum because those are important. Know God and pray to him and talk to him. Um, but with that then, gathering in the service is like saying like, uh, we use the relationship metaphor. It's saying like, hey, I want to go on a date with you. I want date night. You know, if we're talking like spouses, that sort of a thing. And you're looking and you're saying to God, hey, it's Sunday morning. I want to go be in your presence. And sure, there might be times that you're, we're going to run with the analogy. There might be times your hostess seats you at the table you didn't want, or your waiter messed up your order. And you felt like maybe the date was messed up a little bit. And you're like, we only get one date night a week. Why did it have to get messed up tonight? Well, guess what? You know what matters more than the experience of the date is the person you went on it with. And so with that, then in our services, I think there's times again, people might look and they might be saying, you know, realize they're getting caught up by the hosts and the waiters and they're taking their eyes off who they showed up to be there with. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if we look at it and we just say, God, whether I get anything out of this today that I could walk away and say, look at this tangible thing. It's just worth it 
to be in your presence. And oftentimes, if you look at, and again, this is tangential, but it makes sense. Uh, If you look at, and there's a whole host of reasons why uh, marriages and relationships fail and things like that. A very common reason uh, is that people have kind of lost their pursuit of one another. They've lost their desire to pursue after each other and that sort of a thing. And so you end up looking and you have these husbands and wives who um, haven't gone on dates, who haven't been getting together, who are barely spending time together, honestly. And they look and they say, it's like, I know a stranger. It's like, you're right because you don't know the person anymore. You haven't been around them. And so a reason why I would say, why should somebody just say, go on a date? Well, it's the same reason why like a marriage counselor might look at a married couple who's fighting for their marriage and say, you need to go out on Tuesday nights and have a dinner together. You need to, no excuses. You're going on a date. Yeah. And people might look and they might say, well, that feels like force. No, that's fighting for relationship. That's looking and saying proximity matters. Being around matters. Being present matters. If you say, and I've used this example before in things, but like, you know, if you said, yeah, me and my wife, we got married. It's like, how often do you see them? At ceremony. It was a great time. And and right before I die, I'll say bye. Like if that's the way you approached a marriage, people would be like, that's abandonment. Like you have objectively divorced your spouse for how you've acted like that sort of a thing. And in our relationship with God, it's important that we don't treat him that way. It's not, I went to a moment, I had this moment, I accepted Jesus. And guess what? God's grace is so big. Guess what? His grace is over you. And, you know, your salvation between you and the Lord. Are you still walking with him? Are you still trying to honor him? There's a whole other conversation we'd have about, about salvation and that sort of a thing. But when it comes to services, why should we value them? Because you should just want to be around him. You should want to be with God and you should want to then be present within the body of Christ. It doesn't say that you are the bride. It says we are. It says that we are the bride of Christ. The church, us collectively together are coming together to be able to be with God, to be in full relationship because we are not, we are individuals. We are loved individually, but then we are brought together collectively. And so those services, yeah, they just matter. Do you think there's anything as as churches that in terms of how we plan our services and the attitudes and the way we say things um, and the way we frame conversations as pastors, as worship leaders, as insert person holding mic here or how we structure services, is there anything that is kind of promoting or kind of and not helping with this attitude in terms of like, like I, this is coming from, I, I think there are some things that we do in service that like, I think the hard thing about this is that going to a service is a very like, just by nature is a very, you're coming to receive type of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it going into it is not kind of an attitude and can tend to encourage the attitude of this is for me. And like out of all the other things that happen in church, other than the service, like other than that, everything is kind of about pouring into other people or it should be, I think. Yeah. In terms of different areas and stuff, like different areas you serve and all that and the different ministries involved. Main service is the one area where one guy gets up 
or a small group of people get up to pour out to everybody. Not that there's not a place for leadership and pastoral leadership, and I'm sure you can go on a lot longer than I could about that. But, um, but it is when you think about it, it is kind of odd that it is this one time that one guy gets up and leads a whole congregation for them to receive, you know, whereas like, at least for me, when I think of the church, like, and what, like the parts of the church that I love the most, as far as like the body of Christ goes, it's the other part of everybody pouring into everybody and being this actual body of Christ and them all ministering and them all working in within God's gifts that they've, that he's given them. That's the, to me, that's the most beautiful part about the church to me. And I have a lot to learn still. I'm very young. So, um, but like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Is there, is that, is that format not helping with the situation or is there a way to frame that format that, wouldn't, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think the tension that you're living in is actually a really healthy spot to be. I don't think it's bad that you don't view the bringing of the word as the most beautiful part. Yeah. It's actually very good because it shouldn't be. I, it really shouldn't be. And in a lot of churches, that is what has become the thing of like, why can I show up 20 minutes late? Well, because the preacher hasn't started preaching yet. Right. That's sort of a deal. But like when you look and you see a community that says, hey, it's kind of that, that sentiment of, you know, hey, you're important, but you're not that important. You know, looking to a pastor, it actually takes this weight off the shoulders of like, hey, look, it's about all of us. I'm going to do the part that I was called to do today. Right. But I recognize and realize a whole lot more went on than just the message that I'm preaching, that sort of a deal. Right. Now, I would say... um, in terms of services and formats and things like that, I, I always operate personally from a perspective of just getting out of the way. And so like um, a practical example of how at True Life, so like within our youth ministry where I have agency to help lead things and direct things, um, we moved announcements to the beginning of service instead of the middle. Now people might say, ah, oh, whatever big whoop. Why would you do that? Now, one, most of our students are there at the very start anyways, so they can hear all the announcements. Um, but the reason I did it was, is people would check out after worship then. They would check out and then you're like spending 10 minutes of a message trying to get people re-engaged. So it was like, hey, look, if they're going to listen, they'll listen at the start or they'll listen in the middle. So let's get the pragmatic stuff out of the way that still matters your community. You still got to tell people what's going on, that sort of a thing. Um, I even honestly, sometimes at the start of my message, try to explain every part of service. And I'm like, Hey, and we do announcements cause you need to know what's going on. That sort of a deal. And then we go into worship. We do like a really short little video to get the band to be able to get off stage. Me go up. I've even thought about if that's even necessary fully at times. I think it is uh, most likely cause it's just pretty smooth, but, uh, it's just removing distraction and that sort of a thing. Um, I do think, that pastors and worship pastors, all these things have to be very intentional with their words. So like I, if I get up to preach, will always elevate scripture before I ever elevate a part of my story. Um, Revelation speaks about how like we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb word of our testimony. So my story matters. You know, what I have to say about my life, my experience, it, ha- it carries weight. It does matter, but it can never surpass 
the scripture, the word of God. And so I will always take a few minutes to be like, this is the word of God. This is why this is important. This is why this is vital. I want somebody to leave with that. And then also at the end um, for our youth ministry, and I get why this isn't working a lot of adult service contexts, we'll end with like small groups. And I'll look at the students and I'll say, hey, we're gonna go to small groups because we don't wanna just talk at you about this. We wanna talk with you about this. This is a conversation. This isn't a monologue, it's a dialogue. And we then back it up by actually having that time in groups to discuss. So I would say those are some ways that we've tried to tear it down a little bit. And it's trying to bring about that participation. I do think the other aspect of it is, is we have to truly then say that our services matter for being in the presence of God. Now, um, there's a reality like, you know, we want to help people to know how to act, how to respond within their faith, things like that. You know, um, our church would say that a large part of our teaching on Sunday mornings, you know, it's behavioral. It's trying to help people know what does our behavior look like so that we can model and represent Jesus and all that we do and that sort of a thing. And so the bringing of the word then is very important, but the bringing of the word has to always be in tandem with saying we care about being in the presence of God today. And we believe that then hearing the word is a part of us being in the presence of God as a community. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, and I'll even just say as, as a, as a pastor, so like there's these moments, um, I got to preach, um, you know, three, four weeks ago now, and I'm going to be preaching again, um, here in a week or two, um, within our main gathering. And, you know, there's an amount of it that, that feels, you know, it feels like a special moment. You're like, Hey, I get the opportunity. I'm going to speak to our whole congregation. And, uh, I personally take it very serious because again, I hold a very high reverence for the bringing of the word of being like God, like I am somebody who is stepping into a, a role, a position that whether I view it or it's the person in the crowd that views it, there's an amount of weight to the words that I'm delivering. And I have to be very mindful of those words because somebody might hear me and look and say, well, a pastor said this. And I might be like, well, Caleb was saying that. So I have to really care about my words. And so I hold a high reverence for it and don't ever take it lightly. I mean, I believe it's in a, oh crud. Is it in James where it says those who choose to teach or judge more strictly? Um, I take that super serious. I'm like, God, I don't want to teach something that's going to turn somebody astray and be judged for it. I care about that. So with that being said, um, it can be easy as a pastor because of that weight to look and say, this is the most important thing in the world right now. Cause I believe I have a word from God and you must hear it and it will change the trajectory of humanity if I deliver it. Oh, so well. Right. Um, and honestly, I think as a pastor, it's important to maybe walk with that seriousness because we believe the Holy spirit can move in radical and amazing ways. Um, I care about the word being taken that serious, not myself though. Yeah. And I, I think, again, that's a tension that pastors have to find, worship pastors have to find. And then with that, the congregation's able to look and see they are taking, and this this might be a good spot to, re, to, to, to land my point, is uh, the congregation can look and see and say that person can see that God is working through them. I believe that just as God works through that person, he could work through me. And so as we gather in a service, that sort of a thing, we're seeing people operate in their giftings. What's going to help us go out to operate in our giftings? Um, You know, it's that moment of equipping edification, that kind of a thing. Yeah. I feel like... um... Oh, I totally just lost my train of thought. 
I think one of the cool things that are, and I'm, I'm saying this just out of appreciation for some of the things our church does, but that our church does, um, and this is a slight bird walk, but I appreciate that they, our church has so many ministry opportunities and so many, um, areas in which people can serve because people can go to, um, service and receive, but I think the, the philosophy of like, they come to receive, they come to receive to be filled up, but then also so that they have the opportunity to pour back out. Totally. I think is super important. I think, I don't, I'm not saying this with any sort of fact behind me, but I think that's, I think as churches, we need to constantly be thinking about, um, well, we need to be having as many, we need to be serving our communities in the, in, in as many ways as we can. Um, just cause that's what we can, we are called to do as Christians, totally. I think. But, um, but the other side of that too, is that people can act out in their giftings and once they are filled up in service and, and through all those things of God pouring out into them that they have opportunities and areas to go serve in and to pour out into other people. Um, yeah, that's just a side thought. Totally. Um, one thing that I just was reminded of that I was trying to think of earlier is when it comes to receiving, so this idea of in services you want to receive and there's a reality we don't want to be consumers. Yeah. You know, that sort of a thing. There's a difference in perspective. Whereas if you were to look, let's say you have a 22 year old, that will say 20 year old college guy. Okay. 20 year old college guy, uh, living in dorms at a university has a food meal pass. So that means paid prepaid for unlimited food to go get lunches, breakfast, dinner, all that stuff. Okay. When that guy goes to dinner, it's consumption. It's, on the routine, I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go receive. If I don't like the food, I'll get different food. That kind of a thing, right? There's a difference between that guy and a child and let's say um, a part of Africa where they're malnourished, they're not able to get the food they need, that sort of a thing. And somebody walks in and says, we have dinner tonight. And that child is able to look and say, I get to eat. And they go and they start to eat. There's a difference appreciation between those two people because one is eating out of, you know, convenience, ease, choice, privilege in some ways. The other is eating out of desperation to survive. So this would be what I would say could maybe be a healthy perspective shift for believers. We need to realize that being in the presence of God should be out of desperation yeah, Because if we realized all that God could do in and through us, if we were in his presence desperate to see him move and to see him work, the things we would see would be as if we had never eaten before. Right. Because he is an infinite God and we're finite. He always has more. He always yeah. has new things. But oftentimes we treat him like the lunch line at college. Yeah. And we show up and we get another meal. And we get another thing and we go and we leave but it's perspective. 
It's looking and saying, hey, realize that you've received in comparison nothing. And there's so much more for you. And you might show up and it might be, might be a quarter cup of rice that you're receiving. Guess what? Be so thankful for that quarter cup of rice because it will sustain you because we're desperate for more. Now, again, God is a God who provides abundance, all these things. I'm not saying that we have to necessarily have a, uh, a poverty mindset when it comes to our relationship with God. But if we realize the depth of how much is really there. Right, and how much we need him. And just wanting that more. Right. Like this life compared to eternity, you know, a- after we die, after we go to be with him, is going to pale in comparison. Yeah. Of the closeness, the nearest we can have. So to have a chance just to to taste of that, you know, maybe it's once a week on Sundays or it's in a quiet time with the Lord, just be like, God, I just want this. I think, I think again, that's why, why should we tend service? Because we should be so hungry and so desperate that we don't even care if we feels like all we got was table scraps. Yeah. We're just thankful we got a little bit of it. I think that's a good spot to park this. Cool. Well... Good call, Parker. Hey. Matthias hated that joke. Um, all right. Well, with that being said, then, um, you guys go to service. Be able to be in service. Uh, realize the value of it. Realize the part that you play. Realize that you being filled up in the presence of God matters. And uh, realize that God wants you to want to be in his presence. And so uh, with that being said, thank you guys for checking out the podcast today. Thank you for checking out this conversation. Uh, this is a pretty organic one of us just being able to kind of flow through our thoughts. Yeah. And so uh, if you listen on Apple or iTunes, not iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a rating, a review. If you listen on Spotify, share it with a friend, post about it on Instagram or something like that. That'd be super awesome for us. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, things you want to add to the conversation, just shoot us a DM on Instagram. We'd love to be able to talk with you a little bit. And so we just want to say thanks for checking this out and uh, we'll see you next time. See you guys.